Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Ephemeral Machine, a podcast about collecting cameras. My name is Michael Kaplan, and I'm your host. And once again, we are coming to you from our studios on the beautiful campus at Ohio State University in Columbus, Ohio. And I am thrilled to be here for our third episode. Um, the, uh, we've gotten a lot of positive response from the first two episodes. Um, several people who are saying they're on board and they want to hear more. And um, I'm happy to say that uh, this podcast will um, definitely continue. And um, I have uh, engaged with several uh, sort of guest collectors and have been lining up some some folks who will be um, joining me in uh, future podcasts, uh, very near future podcasts, um, as uh, things get more organized. Um, I think it's going to be really exciting uh, speaking to collectors about the cameras that they collect, uh, their influences, their passion, their goals, and everything related to camera collecting, the accessories, the ephemera, um, and things that maybe we don't think about or discuss necessarily um, or typically. The, the way that we display our cameras, uh, how do we keep them clean, um, you know, what we do about cameras that um, may or may not function properly, and that's something that we're going to talk about in today's podcast. Uh, so, once again, I'm thrilled to be here for episode number three, and uh, there's quite a few things on the agenda that I'd like to get to today, so I'm going to get started, and uh, we'll be back with you in one moment. Welcome back to The Ephemeral Machine, a podcast about collecting cameras, and uh, we're here with episode three. And um, there are a couple things on our list, our agenda, that uh, we need to get to today. So um, I I thought uh, thought I would um, begin by um, talking about um, how proud I am and honored to be um, part of the podcasting community. Um, I think as film collectors and film shooters, um, we look to uh, our community as a support system, um, a place where we can turn to for information, for um, observation, for suggestions, for thoughts about uh, the process. Um, And since photography is um, essentially broken down into so many different parts. The uh, camera itself, how that functions, the photographic process, film choice, um, how to develop, whether you're developing at home, where to send your film to. Uh, It's nice that we can count on the support from such a large community and that support certainly comes in the form of Facebook groups but also in a uh, fairly broad range of podcasts that um, have been around for quite some time, and um, it's nice to be part of that community. And while I'm on the subject, I thought I would sort of uh, acknowledge uh, the the podcasts that um, I listen to personally and that I have uh, been influenced by 
that I find compelling and uh, connect with um, and look forward to their um, episodes uh, on a weekly, bi-weekly, daily, monthly basis, whatever it happens to be. And uh, these are podcasts that I'm sure you're all familiar with, certainly Sunny 16 uh, podcast that's been around for such a long time. And uh, the offshoots, I Dream of Cameras, and um, they're, they're really wonderful interviews. Uh, the um, granddaddy, I guess, of all film-related podcasts, and that would be the Film Photography Project. Um, those, uh, the guys who, um, and the people, women, and guys who are affiliated with the FPP, um, they're such a remarkable resource, and um, they're... The information, the podcast, the website, um, the program through which they donate cameras, um, everything that is sort of affiliated with the FPP is really quite remarkable. And uh, it's nice to know that that resource exists and um, that there is affiliation with several of the people, the, uh, the, the people involved in FPP with, um, with right here in central Ohio. So good old Columbus and the surrounding areas. Um, I also, of course, uh, listen to Classic Camera Revival, um, our friends up north, who um, for several years now have done a top-notch job of talking about cameras and uh, lenses, film. And, you know, I want to say something about the Classic Camera Revival, Alex and um, the whole crew that uh, provides such um, important information to us. Um, I want to say that I, now I, I, I went to school for photography. I, I went to Rochester Institute of Technology. I graduated in 1984. I have a degree in photography and filmmaking um, and a master's degree in film theory. And when I was in college, um, you know, our degree program had um, all sorts of uh, requirements, and one of those requirements were several courses in photographic sciences, and I had to learn about emulsions, and I had to learn about developing techniques and uh, developing formula and everything that is related to that process. And I, I just want to say that uh, listening to Classic Camera Revival, there is more competent and relevant information about the specifics of developing, the specifics of different emulsions, uh, and the, the sort of the marriage between those two things, and then connecting all that to your equipment. Um, it is remarkable in how comprehensive and in-depth that information happens to be. So um, I'd say if you want to know about emulsion, if you want to know about developing techniques, just if you want to know about things uh, film-related in general, uh, certainly turn to the Classic Camera Revival podcast, um, and you will get your money's worth through and through. Um, I, um, of course, listen to Negative Positive podcast, and I think everybody on the planet by now who um, has some uh, has brushed with photography in some way, shape, or form has heard the word photography, has looked at a photograph, uh, probably listens to this podcast. And um, it's, it's uh, I, I guess, Mike Gutterman's um, project right from the very beginning. And lots of wonderful information, great interviews. And um, he's a really spirited guy. And uh, it's always fun to listen to what they have to offer. 
Classic Lenses podcast. Um, those guys, uh, if you're if if you have any interest in attaching a classic lens to a digital camera in any way, shape, or form, that is um, a wealth, an encyclopedia of information. And they um, discuss not only the manufacturing, but the, the, uh, the, the specific nuances, the, the chromatic aberration, uh, the lens coatings, um, which lenses are more accurate, which are contrastier. It goes on and on and on. And, um, you know, each episode, once again, talks about a specific set of lenses, a specific idea, a specific concept, and it just works. Um, of late, I have turned my attention to uh, Mario Piper's Gen X photography uh, webcast. Now, I am not of the Gen X generation. Um, myself, I, 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 I fit into the, the, the old baby boomer um, group. But um, I have listened to, to Mario's webcast, and, and i got to say, it's really important because um, if, if you're invested in film photography and you want to learn more about how an, a camera works um, or what camera will suit you if you're just beginning to get into this area, um, he really talks about the specifics of camera operation. Plus, he talks about everything else that's related to film. He has some really nice interviews, uh, a really strong perspective on um, how all this sort of comes together, and it's a lot of fun to listen to. Um, I listen regularly to Matt Loves Cameras, also a really, really uh, fun and um, well-put-together podcast from uh, Down Under. I guess I can, I can use that, that colloquial um, and it's always interesting to hear what he has to say about his cameras. And uh, I'm going to uh, continue listening because he, um, he skirts some of the specific interests that I have, and it's always nice to hear him talk about uh, the range of cameras. Uh, All Through the Lens is a, uh, a great uh, film photography um, podcast. I listen to that consistently. Um, and uh, there's a number of others. And, and today I just want to draw attention to um, one of the newer podcasts. And it's really interesting. And the reason why I'm sort of focusing on it is because it's, it's rather innovative. And that is uh, Mike Ekman's Camerosity podcast. And it's only 10 episodes long. And congratulations on your 10th episode. I listened to it and I think it's just as engaging and entertaining as the previous nine. And, um, you know, if you, if you haven't heard or listened to the Camerosity podcast, you know, I urge you to take a listen. Um, you know, look for it on your podcast app, uh, follow it, call it up, download some episodes, and take a listen because uh, you'll hear something that uh, you don't necessarily hear on the other fine podcasts, and that is a connection to the community in a way that um, is really innovative. Uh, Mike has created what he called this open source podcast where he sets a time and a specific date uh, for a, a, a sort of a Zoom call that you can then become a part of. And as a result of being sort of invited in, you then have the ability to engage, to present your ideas, your thoughts, your perspective, 
Uh, you can discuss um, issues that you have with certain cameras, uh, certain film stocks. You can ask questions of uh, Mike or Theo or Anthony or Johnny uh, or any of the other guests that happen to be on the show. So um, if you enter sort of the realm of camerosity at this time, um, you know, you will have the, um, the ability to discuss uh, a lot of information with some really interesting people. And, you know, it works, and, it, and it's consistent, and it's ongoing. And the thread of these conversations is, is really fascinating because you don't necessarily know how they're going to go, but you'll always end up um, satisfied with um, adding a little bit more um, information to your, your stable, whatever that happens to be. Um, and I've been listening to the podcast from its beginning. Um, and, I, and I have to say, to be honest... Uh, I was a I was uh, a naysayer at, at the beginning. I, I wasn't quite sure it was going to work. Uh, it was being hosted. The first two episodes were early episodes. Um, they were slightly unbridled, um, but the podcast evolved, and I got to say, it turned into something um, for me is a uh, a weekly staple. If um, as as Mike tries to keep this thing going on a weekly basis. It's a lot of work. And, and I think that's the other thing. I think um, it's easy to, to look at a podcast and say, well, you know, I didn't like the content or it's not interesting or you're not covering the information that I want to be covered. Um, well, you know, it's a, it's a lot of effort to put something like this together. Uh, it requires some time, some energy. Um, it isn't just recording some information and then throwing it up there. Uh, it needs to be gone through and maybe processed, and the, the, the real information, the important content needs to be gleaned and, uh, and all put together in a nice presentation, uh, which is what I hope the ephemeral machine uh, certainly turns out to be on an episodic basis as well. So um, a, a lot of credit to Mike. Um, we all know him as the guy to turn to if we want to know something about a camera, something about its history. And now we can turn to him if we want to hear about film photography, the related ideas and thoughts, along with all these other podcasts that I've mentioned. And if I've forgotten any, you know, I'm sorry, I tried, I've tried to um, name the ones at least that I listen to on a regular basis. And if there are others, please uh, shoot me an email. Um, at theephemeralmachine at gmail.com. I'd love to uh, investigate some more and uh, always add to um, as much information as I can possibly pull together um, for my own uh, edifice. So, um, uh, once again, um, great job to everybody who is and has been putting together these remarkable podcasts. Some of them have been a part of our lives for many years. Uh, some of them are fairly new, uh, and we certainly hope that they're going to remain a consistent staple um, and certainly a listening pleasure. And we'll be back with more from The Ephemeral Machine. Welcome back. You're listening to The Ephemeral Machine, a podcast about collecting cameras. 
I'd like to turn uh, the attention to something which is a little bit esoteric, um, but I think it's kind of interesting, and I'd like to talk about it um, just for a brief moment. Um, I had the occasion to be listening to some of the earlier podcasts from Negative Positives, uh, and this was, I mean, very early, back in 2018, when uh, Mike Gutterman was essentially doing the podcast as a solo, and um, he happened to mention, uh, and this sort of struck a chord with me, that um, there was a Kickstarter project, now this is, again, back in 2018, for a new camera that was being uh, produced by the Ashika company called the Y35. And um, basically he discussed the camera and talked about the fact that it was this odd sort of hybrid um, its construction was very flimsy, and there was this, uh, essentially this um, system through which you could acquire these uh, digital um, uh, little cassettes that you place into the camera, and then you close the camera and uh, you f fire the camera and you have uh, digital shots, but uh, you use these cassettes. and. Um, Mike talked about uh, how the camera wasn't going to be successful and who essentially wanted a camera like that. And, and I, I have to admit, it, it was an odd duck when you think about the uh, manufacturing of a camera at that time. But, you know, I thought about it. And what really fascinated me about the Yashica Y35, and if you go to the Yashica website, there is still content about this camera. And you may not be able to actually purchase the camera, but it is available um, on various websites. You can certainly find it on um, eBay. Uh, there's a lot of um, uh, Japanese resellers who are selling the camera as a collector's item with all of the individual little uh, digital cassettes that you put into this camera. And I'll, I'll post the uh, information in the show notes and uh, a picture of the camera uh, on the webpage and our Instagram page. But what really interested me about this camera is exactly what it represented. And for me, when I think about the Yashica Y35, I'm reminded of postmodernism and the act of photography. And I think what better camera could encompass this notion of replication and the idea that the act of photography as sort of pursued by us whether it's digital or film, is replicated in part by the idea that you take these digital little cassettes that look like rolls of film and you place them into the back of this camera, you close the door, and the only way that you can shoot a, a, a shot is by advancing the advance knob to the next shot, and you are essentially working within the confines, not, not of the the, the formal aspects of the photographic process, but the act of photography in and of itself, that act which is the choosing of the film, the placing it in the camera, the loading of the film, the closing the door, and the advancing to the first shot, and then the actual act of taking the picture. And I, I thought it was so interesting because, um, you know, there's this idea of the simulacra, 
as and, and this was presented by the French the French uh, um, philosopher Baudrillard, who essentially looked at our society and said that we are uh, functioning within a, a compendium or a procession of simulacra, that is things that uh, represent something but are, are not the thing itself. And you know, so we have these representations in our society, and, and we see them in, in so many different ways, in media and in art and in, and in uh, communication. And when we look at a camera like the Yashica Y35, it is destined to sort of hold a place in history as that functioning de- device which replicated the act of photography in the fact that it sort of coordinated the, the moments of operation. And, and what's really fascinating is if you go to the Yashica website and you look up the information for this camera, they still talk about these individual cassettes. And these cassettes, mind you, folks, these are not just sort of traditional digital icons which you put into the camera and it allows the camera to function. Each of these cassettes represents a, a different aesthetic, a different film speed a different quality of film. Um, you can get a cassette which replicates black and white. You can get a, a cassette which um, replicates uh, uh, higher uh, ISO or lower ISO, fine grain, um, uh, faster speed. You can get a cassette which replicates tungsten film or daylight film. And, and there are, there's a broad range. I think there's about six of them. And, and within the act, you take the cassette, you put it in the camera, you advance to the first shot, and you take these shots, and then you offload the digital uh, um, content to your computer. And essentially what you have is photographs which have been replicated by this um, machine. So when I really thought about it, it occurred to me that you know, by deconstructing this Yashica Y35 and really looking at it for its individual components, you can see how um, it really ties us into this notion of what is real and what is manufactured as our society looks at photography as a uh, representational art form. And, you know, we, we struggle with this when we look at the digital analog revolution and that hybrid somewhere in between, this notion of taking a film uh, photography um, uh, photograph and then digitizing it and bringing it into Photoshop or Lightroom, and do we manipulate it there or is it, does it get released in a, some sort of pristine fashion, hands off? This is all something that I think we discuss, we talk about. So um, when, when I really think about the Yashica Y35 and what it represents in terms of its representation of the act of photography and the way that it replicates that idea, I think what better camera would have found itself as part of the narrative of Blade Runner, maybe something to be used by Rick Decker, the Harrison Ford um, uh, portrayal, or maybe one of the replicants who stops to take a photograph. I'm, I'm sort of obviously uh, designing a narrative which, which isn't there, but I do believe that it would have been a perfect fit for uh, that idea. Um, so 
there you have it, Yashica Y35. Um, if you ever encounter one or run into one, um, I'd be curious to hear what your impressions are. We'll be back. And we are back. You're listening to The Ephemeral Machine, a podcast about collecting cameras. And uh, before I um, get into the next topic on hand, I want to um, address some housekeeping things. There is a new website that uh, we're very proud of, and that is theephemeralmachine.com. That's www.theephemeralmachine.com. And uh, that is the website that uh, accompanies this podcast. Uh, it will list all of the episodes and um, show you pictures of the content. Uh, any of the cameras that get discussed on the ephemeral machine, um, accessories, ephemera, so on and so forth. So please visit. And again, uh, our Instagram is the ephemeral machine and our Facebook page, the ephemeral machine podcast. Stop by and uh, like us. Appreciate it. Um, question. Uh, what prompts you to acquire a camera for your collection? Um, and this is something that we're going to be talking about uh, quite a bit as we um, speak with uh, our celebrated camera collectors and those who join us on the show talking about their interests and their passions when it comes to film camera collecting. But what prompts you to acquire a camera? Does it have to work? Does it have to function? If it doesn't, is it something that you think you're going to need to get repaired? Will you be satisfied that it simply represents a place in the history of your collection and it functions as uh, one more element in uh, the overall scope of uh, either a specific brand or a type of camera that you happen to be collecting? I'll give you a personal example. Uh, a couple of years back, I um, was interested in collecting um, the uh, celebrated line of uh, Kiev cameras, the number 10, Kiev 10 and the Kiev 15. Um, both are distinguished by a remarkable and revolutionary metal shutter, uh, fan shutter that's quite complex and technologically advanced for its time. And um, the Kiev 15, some of you may or may not know this brand, uh, essentially comes in two, two models, the, the TTL and the TEE. And um, those are fairly easy to acquire, and I was able to find um, inexpensive uh, versions of both those cameras that I added to my collection. Uh, but when it came to the KF-10, there were several versions, um, and they were distinguished by not only the kind of Cyrillic script, but where that Cyrillic script happened to be on the camera. In most cases, and more commonly, the, the, the script appeared uh, on the top plate facing up. But there were some models that were released where the script was on the front of the camera facing out. And this was something that I really wanted to add to my collection, so I went on a search and I located a model uh, being sold uh, fairly inexpensively from the Ukraine. I uh, went through the process of making the purchase. And about a month later, uh, I got a package. I was excited to open it up and I found uh, in my hands a Kiev 10 with the Cyrillic script 
on the top, the top plate. Well, I was uh, dismayed and upset, and I contacted the seller, who told me that the um, camera that was um, listed on the, happened to be eBay, that listing, um, that camera uh, stopped functioning. It actually, the shutter jammed, and um, he went ahead and replaced the camera with a functioning one and sent it to me um, as a replacement. And I explained to him that uh, my goal was to find the Key F10 with the front-facing script, and um, I honestly didn't care if it worked or not. I wasn't going to use the camera. I have others that do function. I wasn't going to repair the camera. They're very difficult to repair. And I simply wanted it to um, function as one element of my collection. He was um, a little bit um, curious, but uh, he agreed to package up the broken camera and he sent it along to me. And about a month later, um, a package arrived. I opened it up and quite literally there was the Key F10 with the front facing Cyrillip script and some parts that I had to actually fit together. Uh, the rewind knob was included but off. The advanced knob was included but off. The bottom plate was included but off. And uh, I pieced together the camera with some spare screws that I had, and now it sits proudly in line with my other Kiev 10 models. And I got to say, as I, as I said in the story, uh, it wasn't an issue for me that the camera didn't function. I simply wanted it because it was an integral part of what I was collecting at the time. So. Are there cameras that you have acquired, purchased, found, located that are broken and you wanted them as part of your collection um, regardless of their uh, ability to function and you're um, essentially not interested in having them repaired? Um, a recent uh, acquisition of an ANSCO uh, auto set CDS at a uh, local photography store, and um, I love the camera. It's interesting. It's got this uh, gray leather rather than black. Uh, it represents a time in photography that I'm very interested in. Uh, I have an Ansco Mark M, which I, I think is a glorious camera. And uh, I realized that besides the CDS model, there was an auto set with a selenium meter. Well, I went on a search for it. I found one very inexpensively. It did not work. I did not care. I made the purchase, and now both cameras sit on my shelf side by side, proudly representing the moment in ASCO, ANSCO's manufacturing lineage when both of these cameras were produced. So, do you have a camera that's broken that you purchased for your collection? I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to see it. So send me a picture, a caption, any information about it. You can send uh, along pictures and uh, hashtag the ephemeral machine broken camera. That's hashtag the ephemeral machine broken camera. I'd love to take a look at your pictures. You can send uh, information to me via email. I'd love to hear your comments, your thoughts, your observations, your suggestions. And that's the ephemeral camera at gmail.com. Send along your pictures. I'd love to hear if there's a camera that's broken that you included it in your collection 
and didn't care if it worked or not. We'll be back. And we're back. You're listening to The Ephemeral Machine, a podcast about collecting cameras. And I think we're um, about to wrap this particular episode up. This is episode three. Um, It's been a pleasure speaking with you today. Um, I'm excited about future episodes and uh, the collectors who will be joining us to talk about their collections. Again, their passion, their interests, their focus, um, techniques, uh, the way that we display our cameras, um, uh, you know, techniques to keeping them clean, storage, uh, ephemera, accessories, anything related to the collection of film cameras, that's what we're here to look at, and that will be our focus. Um, once again, if you have any cameras that fall into that broken camera category, that is a camera that you knew did not function, that was broken, that you specifically acquired as a placeholder in your collection. I'd love to hear about it. I'd love to see a picture of it. Uh, Those can be uh, sent, hashtag the ephemeral machine broken camera, or send it along through email. The ephemeral machine at gmail.com. You can, uh, we have our Instagram page at the ephemeral machine. And, of course, you can post it on our Facebook page, The Ephemeral Machine Podcast. We'd love to see what you have to offer. Well, I think that's going to be about it for this episode. Uh, I thank you for listening, and please uh, tune in again for future episodes as we gear up for our uh, set of interviews that we're going to be having with uh, uh, film camera collectors. And if you have a uh, camera collection that you'd love to talk about, send me information about that too. I'd love to get in contact with you and sit down and have this discussion. Well, again, I'm Michael Kaplan, your host for The Ephemeral Machine. I thank you for joining me. Have a great day, and I'll see you on the next episode of The Ephemeral Machine. (laughs) ¶¶